Dear kind loving Father, we thank you for your watch care, your mercies, your goodness, your protection over us. I pray today that as we study your word, you will open our hearts, you will open our minds that we can understand. Today we'll be looking at the two covenants and in relationship with the two covenants. I've also entitled the study, The $1,000 Challenge to Sunday Worship. I pray, Father, that as we study, our hearts and our minds will be open. We will be willing to do your will. The only person, the only being who will get any honor, the only being, the only person who will get any praise is Jesus Christ. All that we do will be through Jesus, the Messiah who came to this earth and died for human beings, as it said in John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Bless us as we study, I pray. Open more eyes on our hearts that we can learn and tell others of your great love for them. And we are willing to come to the Father through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The two covenants and the $1,000 challenge to Sunday worship. Now, I'm not trying to be funny here. I'm trying to have anyone who have any belief that now because Jesus has died, rose from the dead on the first day of the week, that we should now keep Sunday as a day of worship. And I put the $1,000 there so that it will motivate someone to study, to take your Bible and study. Now we're going to look at the biblical covenants. This is just the biblical covenants, the covenants that made between God and human beings. First, God made covenants with humans. Humans don't make covenant with God. Covenant is presented to humans after God made the covenant. Usually there's an intermediary like Moses, and then Moses would present the covenant to the people, and then the people would listen and then agree or disagree to the covenant. So the covenant is presented to the people after God made the covenant. Before being ratified. So the covenant that God makes with human being, it can be ratified, I mean, it can be changed before it is ratified. Covenant must be ratified to be effective. You can't just make a covenant and then the covenant become effective without it being ratified. And we're going to look at how is the covenant ratified. Covenants can't be changed after being ratified. Once the covenant is ratified, it cannot be changed. Not even by God. You see, God is willing to submit to a covenant when he makes the covenant, and he will not change the covenant after it is ratified. Only God 
can abolish covenant. Covenant can be abolished because it can't be changed. If the covenant is ratified, it can't be changed. You would have to start all over with a new covenant. That covenant that was made cannot be modified after it was ratified. Only God can make a new covenant. And now we're looking at this, the covenant in relationship between God and human beings. There are other covenants that is in the Bible between human beings. But we're looking at the two covenants that is made between God and human beings. All that represents the one who makes the covenant. That's one way the covenant can be ratified. A symbol that represents the covenant maker. When that symbol died, the covenant is in effect. Number two, at the death of the one who makes the covenant. So these are the two ways the covenant between God and human beings can be ratified. At the death of the symbol or at the death of the covenant maker himself. So God makes the covenant, the covenant presented to the human being, the covenant is ratified, the death of the symbol or the death of the covenant maker, then the covenant becomes effective. It can't be modified or changed once the covenant maker or the symbol that rep represents the covenant maker dies. Once the covenant is ratified, the covenant cannot be changed. Biblically, there are only two covenants. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8. For finding fault with them, notice the fault was not with the covenant. The fault was with the people. Now, this is something that most, uh, most biblical students today don't realize. They look at the Bible and they say there was a problem with the covenant in the Old Testament. Notice what Paul is saying here in Hebrews in the New Testament. Finding fault with them, the people, he said, Behold the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Notice that the new covenant is not made with Christians. The new covenant is made again with Israel and with Judah. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. In that he said, a new covenant, he made the first covenant old. Now that which decayed and walks old is ready to vanish and is gone away. So that's what I said earlier. The covenant can't be modified after it's ratified. It has to be done away with. And then a new covenant has to be put in place of the old. So the Bible said the first covenant became old because there was a problem with the people. The problem was not with the covenant. It was with the people. When that problem came up with the covenant, then God said, I'm going to make another. So then there are two covenants in the Bible. The covenant at Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 24, 1 to 8. This was that one that vanished away as 
Paul was saying in the book of Hebrews, Exodus chapter 24, 1 to 8. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nebat and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice, and said, All the words which the Lord had said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and rose up early in the morning, and built an altar under the hill, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in a basin, and half of the blood he sprinkled at the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, All that the Lord had said, we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord had made with you concerning all these words. So notice here at Mount Sinai, in Exodus chapter 24, verse 4, Moses went up to God. God told him, gave him all information. He wrote it in a book. Then Moses came down and he explained, he read what he wrote down to the people. The people heard and then the people said all the words that God has said they were willing to do. Moses in Exodus chapter 24, verse 6 and 8, he took the symbol of the covenant maker, a lamb. He killed the lamb. Once that lamb was killed, he sprinkled the book, he sprinkled the altar, he sprinkled the people with the blood of the lamb, the symbol that representing the covenant maker. Once that is done, the covenant is ratified. When the covenant is ratified, it now becomes effective. It can't be modified. It can't be changed. So the covenant, the first covenant here, was made here at Mount Sinai. The lamb died. The covenant became effective because it was ratified. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 16 to 21. Notice Paul's explanation. For where a testament is a covenant, there must also be of necessity the death of the testator. Now, when the covenant was made at Mount Sinai, Jesus himself did not die. But the symbol, the lamb that represents Jesus died. Verse 17. For a testament, a covenant, is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon, neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats representing the covenant maker with water, scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and the people, saying, 
This is the blood of the testament. This is the blood of the covenant which God had enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. Continuing with Paul's explanation, Hebrews chapter 9. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinance of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. So connected with the first covenant, there was a sanctuary. It's the same implication then. Connected with the second covenant, the new covenant, there must also be a sanctuary. This is illustration of Paul is, is drawn here. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 9. For there was a tabernacle made the first, wherein was the candlestick. And here is the earthly tabernacle. Here is a candlestick. The table with the showbread. Here is a table with the showbread in the earthly wilderness tabernacle. And the showbread, which is called a sanctuary. After the second veil, here is the veil, right here, separating the holy from the most holy. After the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. So this compartment here, in the beyond the veil, is the holiest or the most holy. So here is a holy place. Here is the most holy place. And in the most holy place is the ark that contained the Ten Commandments. Verse 4 which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the table, tables of the covenant. Verse 5. And over it the cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat. Verse 6. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went in always into the first tabernacle, to accomplish the service of God. Hebrews 9, verse 1 to 8. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood which he offered for himself, for the errors and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost this signified that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifested whilst uh, uh, the first tabernacle was yet standing. Numbers chapter 10, verse 33. And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. So notice that the, the box, the ark that had the Ten Commandments was called the ark of the covenant because it contained the Ten Commandments. So the covenant that God made with the people was with the Ten Commandments. The box that contained the Ten Commandments was called the Ark of the Covenant. And again, remember, there was no problem with the covenant. The problem was with the people. That's why we have today have to have a new covenant. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 9. And Moses wrote this law and delivered it unto the priest, the son of Levi, which bear the ark 
of the covenant unto the Lord. So the ark contained the covenant. Going back again to Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 24, verse 4. Moses wrote God's word in a book. The people listened to the word. Moses sprinkled the ark and the people with the blood of the lamb. The covenant was ratified. Once the covenant was ratified, the people now had a right to inherit the land. God made the covenant. The people listened to the covenant. The covenant was ratified. The covenant became effective. Now the people now have the right to inherit the promised land, the earthly promised land. Another covenant. Notice in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to, 20, 14 to 16, and in verse 20. And this is Jesus speaking. Now when the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table, along with his apostles. He told them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. Because I tell you, I will never eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant. So here, just before Jesus died, he is now instituting, he's going to uh, ratify now the new covenant before he died. Read in verse 20. He did the same with the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. The new covenant now is going to be ratified. It will be ratified with his death. And he's explaining to the disciples that this covenant is the one that was going to replace the, old, the other covenant because there was a problem with the people. Seal with my blood which is being poured out for you. So, the covenant was already made. Now, let's assume we don't know when the covenant was made. The covenant was explained to the people by the prophets and then by Jesus when he came to this earth. In Luke chapter 24, verse 46, we just read, Jesus died. Jesus was the covenant maker. When he died, the covenant was ratified. The covenant, the new covenant became effective. When he died, the covenant could not be changed. Now the question is, if Jesus' death ratified the covenant, when was this covenant made? The only place in the Bible where we can find that there was a covenant made that Jesus would, would die was in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That's the first place in the Bible where we can find that a promise was made that Jesus would die. When Jesus said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise the heel 
but now he would crush the serpent's head. So this was a promise that Jesus, as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, this was a promise that a Messiah, someone would come to die in place of Adam and Eve. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we found a place where this covenant was made. And now in Luke chapter 23, we find that the covenant was ratified because Jesus came Jesus, being a seed, came and died for human beings. Again, in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Because he died, we can live. Now notice here in Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, he said, after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah, the Anointed One, be cut off, but not for himself. So in the book of Daniel, it prophesied that the time when the Messiah would come and die. And he shall conf confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the middle of the week, he shall, be, he shall cause the sacrifice and the grain offering to cease. So when Jesus died, animal sacrifice, grain sacrifice ceased because all the animal sacrifice, the grain sacrifice, just pointed to the fact that the Messiah himself would come and die. And when he died, no more animal sacrifice was needed. Because he, the Lamb of God, came and died. Now, you can look at the study in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9 on the same webpage where you're now listening to this program. And you will get an understanding of the 2300 days prophecy and also of the 70-week prophecy. We're not going to go over them here, but it's just to show you that the death of Jesus was prophesied. He would confirm the covenant with many for one week. A week represents seven years. But in the middle of the week, in the, after preaching for three and a half years, Jesus died. But there were still three and a half more years remaining for Israel to decide if they would accept Jesus or not. If they did not accept, then at the end of the last, the second three and a half years, then their house, as Jesus said, would be left desolate to them. So the two covenants and their relationship. Exodus chapter 24, Moses wrote God's word in a book. Moses came down and spoke to the people. Exodus chapter 24. The lamb represents the covenant maker died. When that lamb died, the covenant became effective. The people now were able to inherit the promised land. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have the other covenant God made with human beings. God made, and the only two human beings that were standing there were Adam and Eve. They were not Jews, they were not Americans. They were not Muslims, they were not West Indians, they were not Europeans, they were Adam, and there was Eve. 
God made a covenant with them. The covenant was preached by all the prophets and by Jesus himself when he came to this earth. Jesus died in AD 31. When he died, the covenant became effective. Now we have a right to enter the new earth. Notice that you have a type and you have the anti-type. The covenant at Mount Sinai gave Israel the right to enter the promised land. The covenant in Genesis 3 verse 15, when Jesus died in AD 31, it gave us the right to enter into the new earth. Now notice that the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai is called the Old Covenant. The reason why it's called the Old Covenant is that it was made and it was ratified. The covenant that was made in Genesis 3 verse 15 is called the New Covenant. How can the covenant that was made in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 be called the New Covenant? And yet it was made before the covenant at Mount Sinai. You see, the difference is this. It's not the time when the covenant was made that determined it being new or old. It's the time when it was ratified. The covenant at Mount Sinai was ratified before the covenant that was made in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Because it was ratified before, then it was called the Old Covenant. But the covenant in Genesis is called the New Covenant because it was ratified in AD 31. So notice, it's because of the time when it was ratified that is called the New Covenant. But the New Covenant was actually made before the Old Covenant. Notice, the, the Old Covenant is within the time span of the New Covenant. So the New Covenant is actually older than the Old Covenant. But it's called New Covenant because it was ratified after the Old Covenant. That's the only reason why it's called the New Covenant. Jesus died in AD 31. But the covenant to let us know that Jesus was going to die was made in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, long before there was a nation called Israel. Now notice here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15, this is Paul writing, Brethren, I speak after the mother of, manner of men, though it be a man's covenant. Now Paul is using the analogy of when human beings make covenants to get us to understand the covenant that God has made. Though it be a man covenant, man's covenant, yet when it had been confirmed, no one maketh it void. No man can add thereto. 
So Paul is saying, when human beings make covenants, when two humans make covenant, once the covenant is confirmed, that covenant cannot be changed, and that covenant nobody can add to the covenant. So notice in the books, the book of the law, we have Genesis, we have Exodus, we have Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In those books, when God made the covenant, you can find the covenant within these books. Then we have the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have what Jesus did in these books. Notice something very interesting here. Exodus chapter 26, verse 27. And thou shalt make for the screen five pillars of Achaia. Of Achaia. Then in verse, in, verse 26, in chapter 26, 31 to 32. Thou shalt make four pillars. So here we have the holy and the most holy place. Here we have the tabernacle faint in the background. Notice the entrance to the holy place. We have five pillars. One, two, three, four, five. Notice the division between the holy and the most holy place. We have four pillars. One, two, three, four. Now, what I'm showing you here is in the law written by Moses, you have one, two, three, four, five books that were written by Moses representing the five pillars getting us back to God. So in order for us to get information going back to God, we have five pillars that we go through. We have the five books of Moses. In the division between the holy and the most holy place, you don't have five pillars. You have four pillars. The four pillars represent the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you want to find information in the Old Testament of anything we need to do, we have to look into Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Because when Moses wrote those books, he took the blood of bulls and lambs and sprinkled the book and sprinkled the people. Nothing more can be added to the law requirement that God wants us to do. So from Joshua all the way to Malachi is just showing us that the people are not doing what God wanted them to do. If you read in the Bible, from Joshua all the way to Malachi, you'll never find a new requirement that God gave. Because once Moses sprinkled those five books with the blood, God never had any more laws. All God is telling you is that the people are not doing what he told them to do. It's the same thing with the Gospels. Once Jesus died, nothing more can be added. So you can never find between Acts and Revelation any new requirement that God is asking us to do. The only thing you're going to find between Acts and Revelation 
is explanation of what Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15 again. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be a man's covenant, yet when it has been confirmed, no one maketh it void, no man adds thereto. After Jesus' death, nothing could be added to his instruction. Once Jesus died on the cross, there's no new instruction that's going to be given. There can be explanation to his instructions, but no new requirement can come in. If you want to find what Jesus wants you to do, you would have to find it in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. Notice again in Matthew chapter 20, 28, Jesus told his disciples, Go ye into all the world, preach, teaching them what I have commanded you. So when the disciples went out to preach and to teach, they cannot add their own information. They can only teach what Jesus had taught them. Anything he wanted, anything he wanted Christian to do had to be revealed before 3 p.m. Friday evening before he died. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the covenant was ratified. The covenant now is effect, is in effect. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. When Jesus rose on the first day of the week, it could not have been the new day for Christian to worship. The reason? Because he did not institute it before he died. Jesus, nowhere in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, up to 3 p.m. Friday evening in A.D. 31, told any person that they should worship on the first day of the week. Christians today say they keep Sunday holy because they're keeping it in reverence to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. There's a problem. Remember what Paul said. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be a man's covenant, yet when it had been confirmed, no man maketh it void. That means you cannot change anything that was a part of the covenant. And no man can add to it. You cannot come and add anything to the covenant. So Christians who are keeping Sunday, saying that they're keeping it in celebration of Jesus' resurrection, there's a problem because you cannot add anything to the covenant. Once the covenant maker, once the one who made the covenant has died. And when Jesus died on Friday, there was no instruction in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that Sunday should be kept as a new day for Christians. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, we mentioned this text before. 
Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice, this is going to all nations. What Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus cannot now add something to the covenant that he had ratified when he died at 3 p.m. on Friday. If he was going to change the day of worship, he would have had to have said it before 3 p.m. on Friday. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, brothers and sisters, look at all the words that Jesus spoke before he died and after he died. And see if you can find anywhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and some of his words is spoken again in the book of Acts. See if you can find one place where Jesus said, now when the disciples go out to teach, they should now teach that Sunday is a new day for worship. It's not there. There's no words of Jesus stating that Sunday should be kept as the new day of worship. Now, a person might ask a question, what about the seventh day? Now, we know there are many, many places in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, remember in Mark chapter 28, in Mark chapter 2, verse 28, Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. You know, it's interesting that in the book of Revelation, John said, I was in the Spirit and the Lord on the Lord's day. And many Christians today said John was in Spirit on Sunday because Sunday is the Lord's day. You know, the question is, where did they find that? Because Jesus himself said that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Notice he did not say Sabbath was made for Israel. He did not say Sabbath was made for Jews. He did not say Sabbath was made for Old Testament individuals. He said Sabbath was made for man. And he said that the Son of Man himself is Lord of the Sabbath. And that's what he said in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Exodus chapter 20. He said, the sixth day shall thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So again, let's read Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came unto them and spake unto them, saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. The only authority that we have is to teach what Jesus said. The only authority that the apostles had is to teach what Jesus said. The only authority that Paul had was to teach 
what Jesus said. And then Jesus said, continuing in verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Galatians chapter 3, verse 15 again, Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. This is Paul speaking. Though it be a man's covenant, yet when he, when, yet when it had been confirmed, no one can make it void. God himself cannot make that covenant void. No man can add thereto. The disciples nor God is not going to add to the covenant once it's, going to, once it's ratified. When Jesus died on the cross, the new covenant was ratified. Now notice this. Paul or Saul could not have changed the day of worship to Sunday. He was converted in AD 34 at the end of the last week of the 70-week prophecy that Daniel had prophesied in Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10. Jesus died in AD 31. When he died, the covenant was confirmed. Paul was converted in AD 34, approximately three, a little over three years after the death of Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, if Paul is converted after the death of Jesus, then how could Paul bring in a new day for worship? How is it that today Christians go to the writing of Paul and said, Paul is giving a new day of worship? Paul himself in the book of Galatians is telling us that that is an impossibility because Jesus had previously died. With the death of Jesus, Paul cannot change the day of worship. In fact, Paul cannot change the day of worship because God made covenant. Human beings, all we can do is either accept that we're going to follow the covenant or we're going to reject it, saying that we're not going to follow God's covenant. And what happened to those who reject God's covenant? Those who rejected God's covenant in the old covenant, they died in the wilderness. They never entered the promised land. Those who refuse to accept the new covenant, which is confirmed by the blood of Jesus, will never enter the new earth. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10 to 13. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. Now, brothers and sisters, how is it that Christians today are saying that they are living under a new covenant, therefore they don't have to keep God's commandment? When God said that the new covenant is, I'm going to write the law in their mind. He is not changing the covenant. He is changing the place where the covenant was written. When God wrote the Ten Commandments, he wrote it on a stone. He put it, he told Moses to make an ark out of acacia wood. 
and it was called the Ark of the Covenant because it contained the Ten Commandments. The Bible said in, Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews and also in the book of Jeremiah chapter 25 that there was a problem with the people because he found fault with them. There was no fault or problem with the covenant. There was no fault or problem with the Ten Commandments. There was no fault or problem with the law. The problem was with the people. Because he found fault with them, he said, I'm going to make a new covenant. And notice what Paul is saying. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. That covenant that Jesus said was ratified by his blood. After these days, I will put my law in their minds. And on their heart will I write them. So instead of writing the law on another table of stone, God is now writing his laws in our hearts. And I will be to them a God. Notice the covenant written in our hearts, written in our minds, and God will be our God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not. There's no need now to teach every man his fellow citizen and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. Reason? For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. God himself is teaching people. God wants to teach people today to let them understand. They can take up the Bible, the book of God, and they can read it, and the Holy Spirit, remember what Jesus said before he left? He said, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you, to be in you. He is a comforter. He will guide you into all truth. So if we today take the Bible and through prayer read God's word, God promised that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And he will become our God. And we will become his people. Remember what Peter said? Peter said, we are a royal people, a holy nation. Because God is now living in us. But Paul said, we are the temple of God. Instead of having a physical temple that contained the Ten Commandments, God is going to make our body, knowing not that you are, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So the body now is the temple and the law of God is written in our heart. Verse 12 again. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and their sins will I remember no more. In that he said, a new covenant, he had made the first old. So the old covenant was not changed and then remade. The old covenant was done away with. But the Ten Commandments was not done away with. 
There was no problem with the Ten Commandments. The problem was with the people. So when God made the new covenant, he said, I'm going to take that same Ten Commandments. I'm not going to write it on the stone this time. I'm going to write it on the heart of the people. I'm not going to put it in a earthly tabernacle. I'm going to put it in my people because now God's people, the body of God's people, will be his sanctuary. He's going to dwell in them through the Holy Spirit. So, Sunday worship, the $1,000 challenge. Where did Jesus, before he died on that cross, where did he give instruction that Sunday should be now the new day to worship? Where? Once Jesus died on the cross, you cannot add to the covenant. You cannot take away from the covenant. No man, not even God, can add to the covenant. So Christians who worship on Sunday, how are you going to worship on Sunday as memorial to Jesus' resurrection when he never told us and told the Christians to do that? It's an impossibility. 